Happy Industrial Water Week, everybody. Trace Blackmore here, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, the official place for you to celebrate Industrial Water Week. And as I've been talking about all week, this is a really special week because not only are we celebrating Industrial Water Week, we are celebrating Industrial Water Week as the Association of Water Technologies is having their annual conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I've met so many of you at this conference so far. I know there are several of you out there that I have not met, and it's my hope that I get to meet you while we're all here at the Association of Water Technologies conference. Now, today is Wastewater Thursday, and we're going to be talking about wastewater, but Thursday is also the first official day that the AWT really opens up. This is where we have our general session in the morning, we have our keynote address, and then we, all of our papers, all of the reasons that people come for the AWT are here, including the exhibit hall. And the exhibit hall is amazing. It is a one-stop shop for pretty much any water treatment vendor. Anybody that has any sort of water treatment wares, you are gonna find them here. And you might find somebody that could change everything that you do. For those people that are sending somebody to the AWT or any conference for the first time and you're wondering, am I getting my money out of sending that person? That's a great challenge to have is you have them come back with something that is really going to change an issue that you are having. And also, I mentioned the papers. The papers are great. Maybe you have somebody teach the rest of the company what they learned at a particular paper. Great things going on this week. But of course, we are here to celebrate Wastewater Thursday. And wastewater is one of those things that more and more companies are getting into. And we can see that each and every year when we do wastewater training with the Association of Water Technologies. So uh, it's, a, it's a growing industry. Of course, there's so many people that are in the wastewater industry. And maybe that's an industry within the industrial water industry that we really need to do a better job of letting people know that there are careers within wastewater. Now, wastewater, that doesn't sound that glamorous. But let me tell you, when you can walk into a plant and you can figure out what their issues are and you now just save them fines or you save them thousands of dollars in what they had to haul off in waste or whatever it is, you are now their superhero. And it might not seem very glamorous, but trust me, when you can go in there and you take your jar stir kit and you're doing all those different tests and you say, okay, what we're doing is no longer working. Here's what you need to do. And you save the day, folks, that is amazing. And maybe there's somebody out there that would be great for that job and we have never introduced them to it. So that's why this week, we are making sure that we are shouting from the rooftops that we have industrial water as a potential 
career. And we want to make sure that people know about that career. We talked yesterday about maybe even going into schools and talking about careers. There are all sorts of things that you can do within your community to find great people that may not even know to look for you as a potential employer. So by helping ourselves, we are helping this industry. And one water treater at a time, we will raise the bar in everything in this industry. Well, as far as wastewater goes, I will say I've had probably some of my worst experiences, my most stinky experiences, my funny experiences, and my most memorable experiences all around wastewater. I was sharing on episode 318 that I remember one of my first experiences was going with my father to a turkey rendering plant. And it was the smelliest environment I have ever experienced. My dad laughed at me and he said, son, that's the smell of money. He really did say that. And then that was now my account to service. I remember I had to take changes of clothes with me sealed in a trash bag in my trunk. If I didn't seal them, they would penetrate the trunk and they would be stinky as well. And because of where that plant was, I actually stayed for several days so I could get service. And also we did some prospecting out there. Well, I don't know about you, but when somebody comes to prospect and say, we would love to do your water treatment and they smell like a turkey rendering plant, well, I wasn't getting many closes that way. So Hey, that's a pun. I didn't even intend. So I had to change my clothes to get the clothes. How about that? You heard that here on Wastewater Thursday. That was my earliest and first wastewater memory. And from that point on, I can think of several items that were I shared earlier where I came in and I was a hero because we figured out a better way of doing something that costs somebody a fine or not being able to produce something or they're, they were just sending way too much stuff to the landfill. So lots of things that we can do within wastewater. And today we're going to go back to episode 303 where we were talking to Dr. Rakesh about the future of wastewater. So I think that the majority of wastewater that we are that's created by in domestic you know, sources, as well as in industry, it is being treated in a centralized treatment plant. And so what we have is a, a huge network of sewer lines that are under the ground that convey the wastewater from every house, every industry. Typically, it goes into a centralized treatment plant that is treating the water. And once it treats the water, it is then put into a river or into a lake or into a, some kind of a water body that can assimilate that water, that huge quantity of water that we have collected. The problem is that most of the wastewater treatment plants are emitting their treated water into a river that ends up in the ocean, and that ends up making salt water. And this water then never comes back from where it came from. So we are actually depriving the land of the groundwater that is being used to create the wastewater. So with that, is it your proposal that we abandon or, or eventually rebuild centralized plants or do away with them? So now we're treating it at the location where it's being created? 
Yes, uh, I think that the future of wastewater treatment is decentralized treatment. That is, treat the water in the local area where it's coming from, and then essentially put the water back in the ground where it came from. And that is essential that if we don't regenerate the groundwater table, then our grandchildren or great-grandchildren will have no water to live with. And without water, there is no life, there is no population, there is no jobs, there is no economy. And I think that what the world has been doing all this time with the centralized treatment plants and the sewer lines is taking groundwater and putting it into the ocean as salt water, and it, the water never comes back. So the groundwater table has been declining on, on the worldwide scale, and there is no coming back. So it is, it is basically the entire world, as far as wastewater is concerned, is driving on a one-way street. And some nations will get to the end of the street sooner than others because they have a higher population density. And and some nations will take longer time. But it is basically expected that within the next 10 years, next decade that we are living through, we'll see many, many nations run out of water, groundwater table. And essentially, then people will have to move. And this is going to generate political instability as well as chaos in many of those countries. I'm sure when they're looking at separating from a centralized plant to a decentralized plant, it costs them money. What's an ROI that they can expect? I think that the ROI is going to be, uh, you know, highly positive in this case. And and the reason why return on investment is, is going to be good for decentralized treatment is because by using decentralized treatment, you are getting a much more reliable system in this case. Remember, one of the things, one of the central problems we have with centralized treatment is you're, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, in, essentially. So when that plant is hit by a hurricane or by a tornado or by rising seawater level, then essentially it gets flooded, in other words. When that happens, your entire millions of people with sewer line connections are cannot use their toilets. They cannot generate wastewater because there's no plant at the end that is working in this case. And so when you get natural disasters like earthquakes or rising sea levels or hurricanes or tornadoes, single plant is going to affect millions of people at the same time. By having a decentralized system, you have a much more uh, reliable system at your hands. It's not going to kick out every house in this case. And so you have a much better chance of responding in that situation than if a centralized treatment plant goes belly up because it has no power or basically it has not is not capable of running. I want to leave them with the idea that the technology of wastewater treatment is advanced enough today and the technology of water sensing is advanced enough today to be able to do a very good job on a local level, thereby reducing the rent water consumption and they should seriously look at reducing the net, net water consumption because fresh water on the planet is running out. And if fresh water runs out at the location that they are actually, you know, have their plant, their company cannot operate as they are operating right now. So their existence is at stake for them. Their existence is at stake for them. Skyrim Nation, as you know, I'm here at the AWT conference all week, and so many people have come up to me and said how much they like to review previous episodes. So I hope you enjoyed our run through our vaults of all of the different episodes that we have, well over 300 episodes. I got to say, I'm a little jealous. I wish when I was starting out in this industry that we had a resource like the Scaling Up H2O podcast. It was really difficult to get information. We didn't really have the internet. Now I'm telling my age. We had books. We had people. 
And we really had to figure out how we were going to learn more about water treatment that we weren't directly exposed to. So the great thing about being a water treater today is there's so many resources out there. There's so many different ways that we can learn how to be better water treaters, how we can learn to do different things. And one of those resources out there is Detective H2O, a fun way for us to learn more about water treatment. And today was last year's brand new episode. And this was an episode where yours truly offered a voice to James McDonald's Detective H2O. Here's the case of Seeing the Dead. The Case of Seeing the Dead. As he stood looking out the rain-spattered window of his office in downtown Waterville, Herbert Henry Oxidane, P.I., CWT, cracked a sideways smile when his black rotary phone sprang to life. On the third ring, he answered, Detective H2O here, the best water treater this side of the Ohio. Solving water problems drop by drop. What you got? Mr. Oxidane, I mean Detective Oxidane, or H2O, whatever your moniker is, this is Charlie Bexter, originally from Savannah, Georgia, but I now live in Waterville, and I work at Carlisle Industrial Incorporated. I got your name from a friend, and I thought I'd drop a dime on you. I see. Well, since you got me on the blower, why don't you spit it out? I charge by the minute. Paying cabbage is no problem if you can come on out here and solve our problem. We have this process loop, you see, and it keeps getting loaded up with those microbial critters. I tell you what, despite all our best efforts, why don't y'all come on down here and I'll give you the full scoop. All right, you've hooked me. I'll get my rust bucket started and be out your way within the hour. I might have to fill up the old mirror first since you're uphill most of the way and she gets mighty thirsty in her old age. Fantastic, Detective H2O. We'll be ready for you. Y'all come on down, you hear? As if on demand, the deluge of rain slowed to a light drizzle as Detective H2O pulled to a stop in his rusty blue Ford. Water was in his blood, and weather like this always soothed his soul. Charlie Baxter met him at the front gate and escorted him to his office in the middle of the plant. The detective had never been here before. A multinational water treatment company had this account buttoned up for years. It was telling that he was being invited here now. Something had them perplexed, and solutions weren't forthcoming. This is quite the complex operation you have here, Mr. Baxter. Pipes running everywhere, from every direction, it seems. Some water and some not. Oh, please. Call me Charlie, and what should I call you? Detective H2O, was the bland reply. Oh, of course. Charlie quickly recovered. You are quite right, Detective H2O. This facility looks like a bowl of spaghetti. In fact, people accuse us of getting Willy Wonka to design it. Every nook and cranny has a purpose to get the final product out the door. But it ain't an easy task keeping it all going. And you can take that to the bank. 
Tell me about this process loop that's given you the headache that you mentioned on the phone. Charlie looked out at the facility and said, You see, the main process loop provides cooling water to several critical processes in the plant. It's a completely closed loop, all clammed up with no open water to the atmosphere. We had some failures in some piping and even a heat exchanger. Upon inspection, all the reports said MIC, or microbiologically induced corrosion, that is. This comes as no surprise since the metal samples we took even fell slimy. I see. What did you do next? You mentioned taking action on the phone earlier. First, we tested the system for microbial activity, and boy, did we find them. Then we added a non-oxidizing biocide. That seemed to ward them little suckers off for a while, but they soon came back. We tried a few more times, but it was the same old story. It was like a broken record. Then we moved to an oxidizing biocide, and we flushed the system before and after we added that biocide. That's not an easy task with a loop this large. Plus, we had to add fresh water treatment chemicals. Those critters came back again. Sometimes you can even smell those suckers in the water. Just over a month and a half ago, we repeated the oxidizer drain and flush again. And of course, we had to put new water treatment chemicals in too. You can probably guess what happened after that. They seemingly returned from beyond the grave to resurrect themselves once again. That's where you come in. Our experts are out of ideas. Charlie said, dropping his head. The detective eyed the poor sap and replied, Well, you've got quite the story to tell there. That's a lot to take in. But I'll do my best to get this canary to sing. First, what is the chemical treatment program you use in the main process loop? Nitrite. Now, I know where you're going with this because we continually see our nitrite levels drop as them bug counts keep going up. That's why we also did a pre-flush prior to adding the oxidizer, since we didn't want the reaction between the two becoming part of the oxidizer demand. Yes, very good. Nitrate can be a bug food, and we'll take that into consideration. Nitrite is an excellent corrosion inhibitor and is used successfully in all kinds of applications without the issues you are experiencing. We won't discount its impact, but let's get the lay of the land first. I need to see your testing logs, disinfection reports, and whatever other details you can show me regarding the actions you have taken. We're an open book around here, detective. It's already laid out on that table over yonder. Y'all going over there and help yourself. As Detective H2O perused through the files, he took notes, pulled out his near-abacus calculator to confirm a few things, and peppered Charlie with questions. Anything Charlie didn't know, he pulled his guys in to answer. Charlie, procedurally, I can't poke holes in your story. It does appear the disinfections were by the book with enough oxidizer for enough time throughout a multitude of checkpoints in the system to be effective. In most applications, it would have worked. There's more to find out, though. Can you walk me through the system next? I want to see everything from where the makeup water comes in to the pumps, heat exchangers, side stream filters, chemical addition points, vents, and drains. Not a problem. And I know where to just start this little trip. 
Y'all come on now, you hear? Charlie took Detective H2O through a maze of piping, stairs, and aisleways. All the time, the detective kept his eye on the main process loop piping and sketched a process flow diagram as they went along. They tracked down every T, opened the pot feeder, inspected the bag filters, etc. As they stood at what Charlie said was the end of the road, Detective H2O glared at his hand-sketched process flow diagram and said, Okay, this is the last jump-off point from the main line just above our heads. It's the same diameter as the primary flow of the main process loop. Quite large. Where does it go? Well, that's there for future expansion plans so we can connect those operations to the main process loop. It ends just beyond that wall over there. It ends, you say? Can you show me? Charlie led the way through a door into the next room where the piping simply ended with a blind flange. Peering up at the stunted piping, Detective H. Toad knew he'd found what he'd been looking for all along. So tell me, Charlie, when you did your disinfection, draining, and flushing of the system, did you do anything special with this part of the piping? Mmm, well, no we didn't. As a matter of fact, I really ain't getting it no mind until you just brought it up right now. I'm sure it drained with the rest of the system. Detective H2O gave his trademark sideways, slightly unsettling smile and proclaimed, That's a dead leg, my good fellow. A what? A dead what? A dead leg. Not a zombie apocalypse but an area within a system with low to no flow. It can be a leg of piping dead-ended like this one, or even an offline system such as a chiller. Not only can sediment slowly collect in these areas, but so can microbiological activity such as biofilms. Because of the lack of sufficient flow, water treatment chemicals cannot reach far enough into them to be effective. The bugs set up home in these dead legs, safe from your biocides and disinfection activities. Each time you tried to clean the system, they simply waited and re-inoculated the bulk water all over again. I believe this is our smoking gun. Hooey! A dead leg! Who'd have thunk? But what you say makes sense. I tell you what, I'm tired of taking the fall for these little guys. What can you do about it, detective? In your case, I think you need to disinfect the system one more time, unfortunately but this time the entire system. If you can't remove the whole dead leg, you'll at the very least need to install a drain line at the end that you'll have to open on a regular basis to establish flow, remove any sediment, and expose the piping to the water treatment. Plus, I'm curious to see what's inside the pipe. It will need to be cleaned out. Let's walk the system again to make sure we're not missing any other such dead legs. And then I'll work with you to develop a plan for a thorough disinfection this time. All righty then, let's get started. We'll have them critters sleeping with the fishes before we know it. One month, two months, six months, and a year later, Charlie Baxter called Detective H2O to give him an update on the main process loop. There was no noted microbiological activity. Detective H2O had saved the day once again and was paid all the cabbage he was due.
in the underbellies and penthouses of the metropolis of Waterville, where the boilers percolate and cooling towers fog. There is one man who works tirelessly to end corrosion, stop scale, fight low-life microbes, and conserve water. That man is Detective H2O, best water treater this side of the Ohio, solving water problems drop by drop. After that episode came out, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, oh, what? I can't even do it now. I had to get into character to do that properly, and I was not in proper character. Nation, the Scaling Up H2O podcast is asking several things of you this week. One is that you find your favorite piece of equipment of wastewater. Maybe it is a DAF. Maybe it's a dewatering device, whatever it is. Maybe it's your jar stirrer. What I ask of you now, what the Scaling Up Nation requires of you now is for you to take a picture in front of your favorite piece of wastewater equipment and hashtag that to IWW23. Once again, that's IWW23. That's where all of us in the Scaling Up Nation can really enjoy all the different pieces of equipment that we work with, and we can see all of the smiling faces that create the Scaling Up Nation. Nation, it's also a great time if you have not caught up with all the Industrial Water Week episodes, you can go back and listen to Pre-Treatment Monday. You can listen to Boiler Tuesday. You can listen to Cooling Wednesday. And of course, tomorrow, join us where we're going to be wrapping up Industrial Water Week with Careers Friday. But I'm not quite done with this episode yet. We've been asking everybody each and every day to make sure that everybody that you come in contact with knows that this is a potential industry that they might actually love not just a job, a career, not just something they do, but something they love. Think about how you got into the industry, and most likely it's because someone told you. I am asking everybody in the Scaling Up Nation, let's do a better job this week of getting the word out there that this is an amazing industry. We know we need to find good people. We are going to be part of that solution. The other thing I'm going to ask you, if you are here at the AWT, make sure you come find me. I sure want to meet you. And my last thing that I'm going to ask that you do is that you find an industry resource that you love. Maybe it is the AWT where we are at right now and you volunteer. Trust me, Groups like the AWT, like the IWC, all these different groups that are showcased here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast, they do not happen without volunteers. That means they do not happen without you. And I know what you're thinking. I don't have enough to offer to be a volunteer. And trust me, that does not exist. Get that out of your mind 
because we have plenty of work for you. You have certain skill sets that other people don't on particular committees that you can help with. Now, maybe you don't have 40 years of wastewater experience, but you have social media knowledge that that person with 40 years experience doesn't have. So please don't think what you can't do. Think about what you can do and do it. Volunteer today. And of course, listen to tomorrow's episode for Careers Friday. Happy Industrial Water Week, everybody.